Hello and welcome to Hollywood Scandals of Yesteryear. This week, it's a twofer. Martha Mansfield and Peg and Twistle. Join us after this. Hello again, and I am your host, Gabriel Russo, and you are listening to Hollywood Scandals of Yesteryear, or Hollywood Profiles of Yesteryear, let's say, because we're quickly running out of scandals, at least from the silent era. I'm going to get into the 30s here pretty soon. There's a whole bunch. But this week, we are going to do two. We've got two shorties. Uh, we're going to do Martha Mansfield and Peg Entwistle. So first things first, Martha Mansfield. She was born in New York City. She was uh, born in 1899. She died tragically in 1923. Uh, she wasn't a big star. But she was an up-and-comer, and and, uh, she died a very tragic death. And so, at 14, she became, uh, she was determined to become an actress. She lobbied for and won a role in uh, the Broadway production of Little Women in 1912. She also danced in a musical Hop of My Thumb in 1913. She was signed to SNA Studios and did three films in 1917. Then she appeared in, in 1918, she appeared in the Ziegfeld Follies, Ziegfeld Follies, pardon me, a lot of people do that, Ziegfeld, but it's Ziegfeld. She made her feature debut that year, Broadway Bill, and in 1919, quit the stage and announced that she was pursuing her film career full-time. She re relocated to Los Angeles and became featured in Famous Players Lasky's studio. Now, Famous Players was owned by Adolf Zucker. He was Famous Players and Jesse Lasky. They had Mary Pickford, Rudolph Valentino, Gloria Swanson, and Clara Bow as some of their huge stars. So anyway, Martha was signed to uh, Famous Players. In 1919, she appeared in Florence Ziegfeld's *The Midnight Frolic*. Her first, her first Hollywood movie was a, was titled *Civilian Clothes* in 1920, directed by Hugh Ford. She became uh, fairly famous acting opposite John Barrymore in *Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde*, the first film adaptation of that. She then signed with Selznick Pictures. David O. Selznick, where she did a couple of pictures. In 1921, she returned to the stage doing a vaudeville tour and then went back to movies the following year. In 1923, she was signed to the Fox Film Corporation. She was really moving up in the world. She did a film called The Silent Command, starring uh, Bella Lugosi. On December or November 29th, 1923, this is where things get a little... Not a little sad, but terribly sad for Martha Mansfield is, uh, she was filming a film called The Warrens of Virginia, working on location in San Antonio, Texas. She was wearing her Civil War costume of hoop skirts and flimsy ruffles when a tossed match ignited her costume. She was playing the role of Agatha Warren and had just finished her scenes and retired to her car, and she was waiting. There weren't really any witnesses. I guess there were a couple of people who claimed that they saw someone throw a match. Now, they weren't throwing a match at her, 
I think it was a, a case of lit cigarette and threw the match over their shoulder or something like that. Anyway, it went into the car and, and it burst her into flames. Her neck and face were were saved. Well, I mean, her neck and face were not burned, let's say, uh, because leading man Wilfred Lytell threw his coat on her and the chauffeur uh, jumped out to try and help also put out the flames and his hands were uh, were badly burned while trying to remove the burning clothing. Fire was put out, but she sustained substantial burns to her body. Now, remember, this is 1923. I mean, a burn, a substantial burn today would be terrible. But in 1923, it was, it was virtually a death sentence. She was rushed to the hospital, and she died less than 24 hours later of burns of all extremities general toxemia and suppression of urine it's just you know she was poisoned from the she was burned and just poisoned um, anyway she was 24 years old when she passed away her body was transported back to her home in new york city where she was interred at woodlawn cemetery in the bronx like i said it was never determined who threw the match it was an accident i'm sure some witnesses said like I said, that they saw a match enter through the window of the car. Another theory was that she was nervous and smoked a cigarette in the car and either dropped the match or the cigarette. But her mother dismissed this theory and said that uh, smoking made her daughter uncomfortable. Now, you know, people move away from their mothers and do things that, you know, so you never know. But it is a terrible story. I don't want, this is not going to be the, you know, the Hollywood death <laughs> podcast. Although this particular episode is uh, just two, is two short, sad Hollywood deaths. But I ran across the story of Martha Mansfield while I was kind of researching someone else to do. Gene Harlow is uh, the next biggie, but I think uh, that she, I'm trying to keep it somewhat chronological. And since she died in, in 36, um, I'm going to do her in a couple of couple of episodes, and then I've got a biggie coming up with uh, Charlie Chaplin, or on Charlie Chaplin, at least on his early career and maybe his first uh, sex scandal. But anyway, like I said, I ran across, during my research for those, I ran across this Martha Mansfield and thought, well, that's, uh, that's a terrible story that, you know, that should be told, but it's not really long enough for its own podcast. And then it occurred to me, Peg Entwistle, who uh, we'll hear about in just a minute. But uh, when the when the Warrens of Virginia was finally released in 1924, sadly Mansfield ro- Mansfield's role had been edited down, and a woman named Rosemary Hill was promoted as the female lead. So they just shot more film of her. Like I said, she wasn't a big she was not a big star, but she did work. In one, two, three, four, five short films and then a whole bunch of uh, features from about 1918 to her death in 1923. And so that is the sad tale of Martha Mansfield, which leads us right into part two of this episode. Peg Entwistle, who also has a short and sad story, but will lead us into the 30s a little bit because uh, her death takes place in 1932. Now, Peg Entwistle was, and we, you know, maybe have heard of her or maybe not. Certainly haven't heard of her as due, as an actress, but maybe have heard of her due to this story. I was struck when I first looked her up on Wikipedia, where I do most of my looking up, 
is that she looks like Kirsten Dunst quite a bit. And not, you know, it's not identical, obviously, but it just struck me. Martha Mansfield, I didn't notice a, a particular resemblance with anyone today. I'm going to try and start doing that. Like, who would this person sort of remind me of? But Millicent Lillian Peg Entwistle was a English stage and screen actress. She began her career in 1925, her stage career in 1925. She was in several Broadway plays. She appeared in only one film entitled 13 Women, and that was released after her untimely death. She gained notoriety and will have been heard of by some of you, I'm sure, as uh, the woman who jumped to her death from the H in the Hollywoodland sign. In September 1932, at the age of 24, same age as Peg, or as, uh, Martha Mansfield, although wildly different circumstances, born in Wales, but, uh, spent most of her early life in London. Like I say, she emigrated to America in, uh, I'm sorry, she emigrated to America in 1913, uh, but she began her, she w- wanted to be an actress from about 1922. 1925, she was cast in the role of Hedvig in The Wild Duck. After seeing the play, actress Betty Davis told her mother, I want to be exactly like Peg Entwistle. Isn't that interesting? Years later, Broadway director Blanche Yerka, she's a noted Broadway director, sent a note to Betty Davis asking if she would like to play Hedvig. Betty Davis sent word back that ever since she had seen Entwistle in The Wild Duck, she knew that she would someday play that role. And then Entwistle was her inspiration to take up acting. In 1926, she was cast as Martha in The Man from Toronto. She was a member of the Theatre Guild between 1926 and 32, working with a lot of people, with Dorothy Gish, who uh, may or may not show up later. She was a silent film star with her sister, Lillian. She was in the 1927 hit Tommy, which is not the Who's musical but uh, it was another <laughs> uh, Broadway play. Uh, that ran for 232 performances and became the play for which she was most remembered. In 1932, she went, she went on. She was becoming a big, uh, a big uh, star on Broadway. And in 1932, she wanted to be in pictures, so she made her last Broadway appearance in J.M. Barry's Alice Sit by the Fire, which uh, J.M. Barry was Alice in Wonderland. Um, author, creator. That show was canceled because uh, the actor who, who was opposite her, Lorette Taylor, was an alcoholic and missed to uh, missed to sh- miss some shows. There was a general uproar. Uh, the show was canceled, and Whistle had had enough, so she moved to Los Angeles and was in a play in the uh, Belasco Theater in downtown. She was trying out for parts, trying to get trying to get roles. She found a role in uh, Radio Pictures, which became RKO Pictures, 13 Women, starring Myrna Loy and Irene Dunn. This is a pre-Hays Code film. Uh, the Hays Code, I've been hearing and learning more and more about. And this was a uh, like an obscenity code to try and keep uh, movies clean. I'm going to do a special about the Hayes Code and, and Mr. Hayes in, uh, in a couple of episodes. But suffice it to say that after the Hayes Code, you couldn't be as racy in pictures. And I know that sounds silly as we're talking about movies from the 20s and 30s, and none of which are racy, but really kind of some of them are. So, I mean, none of them are vulgar, really, I don't think. But anyway, she got her role in 13 Women, 
produced by David O. Selznick. And she had a small supporting role as Hazel Cousins. It premiered on October 14, 1932, but by then, sadly, Peg Entwistle had been dead for a month. On September 18, 1932, an anonymous telephone call to the L.A. police from a woman that said that she was hiking and found a woman's shoe, purse, and jacket below the Hollywood Land sign. Now it's the Hollywood sign, but on my podcast uh, picture, it's uh, the Hollywood Land is an old photo of that. The woman said that she looked in the purse and found a suicide note. Then she looked down the mountain and saw a body. According to the police transcript of this call, the woman said that she wrapped a jacket, shoes, and purse in a bundle and laid them on the steps of the Hollywood police station. And then the woman refused to identify herself and hung up. So the police were dispatched. A detective and uh, two officers found the body of a moderately well-dressed, blonde-haired, blue-eyed woman in the ravine below the Hollywood Land sign. She remained unidentified, sadly, until her uncle, where she had been living, connected the fact that she had been missing for two days and uh, the initials P.E. were on the suicide note. I guess he read about it in the newspaper. September 16th, he said that, uh, this is two days before that she was found, that she told him she was going to the walk for a walk to the drugstore and to see some friends, where instead she made her way to the near, nearby southern slope of Mount Lee to the foot of the Hollywood Land sign, climbed a workman's ladder to the top of the H, and jumped. Uh, cause of death was listed by the coroner as multiple fractures of the pelvis. Ouch. The suicide note read as follows. I am afraid. I am a coward. I am sorry for everything. If I had done this a long time ago, it would have saved a lot of pain. P.E. Her funeral was held on the 20th, which was two days later. Her ashes were sent back to Glendale, Ohio. And that was that was the story of Peg Entwistle. In 2014, this is kind of interesting, a hundred people marked the anniversary of her death by gathering in the parking lot of the Beechwood Market in Hollywood to watch the film 13 Women uh, on an outdoor screen, obviously. Proceeds from a raffle and food and beverages sold at that night were donated to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention in Peg Entwistle's name. I think that's a very interesting, that's a, that's a, uh, that's a good thing. That's a good thing that people did. A musical based on her life debuted in England, well, in the UK, in October 2014. It was called Goodnight September. It received positive reviews and audience feedback from its premiere performances. It dramatized the final few weeks of Peg Entwistle's life. October 10th of this year, just what? Today is the 23rd. So just two weeks ago, on the 10th, Peg's story was featured on the Travel Channel series Ghost Adventures in the episode titled Haunted Hollywood, and that comes from the popular culture section of the Peg Entwistle Wikipedia page. That's a terribly sad story. That is going to wrap it up. That's, both stories were were sad, but I believe, you know, they're worth remembering. They're worth telling people that don't know, you know. Some people have never heard of any of this stuff. A lot of times I've never heard of any of this stuff. I'm just looking it up and reporting on it. There was a uh, thing on Turner... Classic movies the other night. It was all about silent film, and my wife and I were talking, and I meant to, re- to hit record on the DVR, and I didn't. And now I can't remember the name of it. And when I did the search, I couldn't find it anywhere. So, but if you're interested in this kind of thing, you can certainly look up anything on YouTube. Early Hollywood, 
you know, silent film era, that type of thing. There's a lot of documentaries, um, a lot of good ones. And they show little clips. You don't need to, you know, it's better to watch. Well, not better, but I like more of watching this, the little clips and getting a feel for how they were. I think it is, uh, it is a lot to, uh, to watch a whole feature length, um, silent film. And then I would have no one to watch it with because my wife and family would just laugh at me. So, but anyway, thank you for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at GRusso1971. You can go to Facebook at, uh, let's see, Gabe Russo Art. You can check me out on Podomatic.com under Hollywood Scandals of Yesteryear. That's where I upload all these episodes, and they are a fantastic podcasting resource. And if there's anything that you are interested in, I suggest podcasting about it because it is only the best. Paul F. Tompkins line there. But once again, thank you for listening. This has been Hollywood Scandals of Yesteryear. I have been your intrepid host, Gabriel Russo. I hope you listen next week when I think it will be Charlie Chaplin.